Amen. Will you please read this text with me? Then Jesus said, that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Let's read it again. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Amen. Every time that I hear that there is a phone call asking for a Presbyterian minister, no a Lutheran, a Presbyterian minister, I know that might be my chance to go. Not because I want to go or I'm expecting to go, it's because I happen to be the person that is available at the moment. So some years ago, I was in Downey Presbyterian Church, and they say the magic word. You know, we are look, they are, this person is calling, and they are looking for a, a Presbyterian minister. So I knew that at that time I was, it was just me at the, at the office, and I said, I got to go. But they say, come as soon as you can. Normally, those phone calls are urgent. You got to go right away. This time they say, he might not leave. I mean, he might die soon. So I, I went, and I was thinking, you know, I don't know this person. You know, I don't know this family. I don't know nothing about these people. What, what should I do? Well, Toby will say, you are a professional. Don't worry about it. I don't know if that works all the time, but I went. And when I went there, I was expecting to find this person and perhaps his wife and somebody, right, in there. It was packed. I couldn't even get in. It was so many people in this room. And as I entered the conversation, almost everybody was Catholic. And I'm, what are they asking for a Presbyterian minister then? <laughs> well, of course, it doesn't matter, right? So uh, the gentleman who was about to die, he needed to talk to a minister, and he wanted to talk to a Presbyterian. So supposedly, I understand, that he was a Presbyterian person. So we pray, and then I thought I was done because I, we pray, you know, we have a chance to, to kind of do that special sac sacred moment, right? But the family is looking at me like, is that it? <laughs> well, then I have to do something here. I'm thinking, how do I minister to these people? I don't know them. Most of them are Catholic. Oh, dog, you were Catholic when you were a kid. So bring it in. Right? And so I say, why don't we just pray together the Lord's Prayer? Boy, that was an incredible moment. The presence of God was so powerful in that particular place. It was packed, but also the presence of God was right there with the Lord's Prayer. And with every single one of them reciting it from the, from the depth of their hearts. Later, I found out, yeah, sure enough, he passed away. And I also have to officiate the funeral, memorial service. Today, as we read that text, we will know that Jesus was no Presbyterian. <laughs> because he was called, chapter 11, verse 1 and 2, you know, he was called by Lazarus' sister who passed away before he passed away, and they informed him that he was sick. He didn't go. He didn't go. He stayed there two days. Obviously, he was no Alfredo. Could not wait. He could wait. But, you know, as you read through the whole passage, I mean, it's 
45 verses or so. So we're not going to read it, don't worry. Yes, we are going to later. <laughs> so you will see that there are things happening there that will give you some insight into the passage. The first insight that I'd like to highlight is on, on John eleven three. It says, so the sisters sent word to Jesus saying, Lord, the one that you is what? It doesn't matter. He stayed there two days. But let's read the next passage. It says, now Jesus, what? Loved Martha and her sister and the one who was sick. Then the Jewish, the Jewish people that were there, they said, see how he and that happened when he cried. Remember, he, he was weeping. Remember? But how is it that it's so clear, and I hope you can really uh, uh, talk with me somehow today, uh, that um, it's clear that Jesus loved him. And then, and yet, he allowed Lazarus to get sick, and only that, to die. And sometimes we think that in order for God to love us really well, he has to protect us from everything. Isn't that true that we think that if God really loves us, he should not allow anything bad to happen to us? We, we experience evil almost every day in different ways and shapes, right? We hear how bad it is out there. Isn't it true? Right? And yet, these two sisters are aware that Jesus has the power to prevent somebody from dying or even to even getting sick. And they rushed to sending him a, 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 you know, a messenger and say, please come, the one who you love is sick. Don't you feel sometimes like that? That you are going through a particular challenging moment in your life, your family, and you know that God loves you. And you know that God loves your family. You know that Love is real. Love, God's, God's love is real. And yet it's really hard to put that together with suffering. If you are going to be honest today, like I'm trying to, sometimes it's really hard to match, up, match it up, love and suffering together. And yet, the writer of the gospel is making sure that all of us know, and his first readers, that he really loved these three people. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to look at your face and tell you today, my friends, God really loves you. My friends, God really loves you. So you can, we cannot just put that aside. It's there. But our logic 
our logic becomes lament, right? Because how is it you love me? How can you allow that to happen to me? I have said that several times in my life. To God, to myself, to friends. And look what the answer, the response to uh, Lazarus passing will be. You know, we will hear from, first of all, from Martha. What she said, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, say with me, if you had been here, my brother would have not. Isn't that logic? And logic becomes lament. Because where are you, God, that is, this thing is happening to me or to us or to the United States or to the world? You know, where are you, God? Then Mary come to the choir too. Look, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, You have been... My brother will not have... So he goes. There's a choir now here. And then the third one, uh, this, this is the Jewish mourners, but some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind, blind man have... You see? When we know that we are loved... It is impossible to accept that we have to suffer unless we understand that love doesn't mean that we will be safe from everything. Um, a friend of mine posted on Friday that one of his teenagers, uh, you know, belong to the church, his church, was one of those victims. And that is a really hard thing to do for a pastor or for anyone whatsoever. But the question is, where were you, God, in this particular situation or any particular situation whatsoever? And we say our logic, our logic sometimes could be a difficult thing for us because for us, especially for us Westerners, not only Americans or Latin Americans, anybody from the Western place, you know, hemispheres, we will say, this doesn't make. Are you stay with me? <laughs> but here's the third piece of this passage. So we go from love to logic, lament, and now, we move forward to the next level, which is Jesus enters the scene, right? And Jesus, first of all, before even talking about, you know, what's going to happen, he hinted it. He hinted that he's going to do something. He said to his disciple, Lord, his disciples asked him, actually, I told him, if, Lord, if he sleeps, that was another term in the Hebrew mentality to speak about death. Sometimes. So he will get better, but they were probably talking literally, you know. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural 
That's what we want to believe. When we are going through suffering, when something is hitting us hard, when doubt and frustration and fear and confusion and anxiety and whatever that might be that we are going through, we want to believe that it's something else. Isn't it true? But then, he told them plainly, Lazarus is and for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may. But let us go to him. So Jesus knows that pain and hurt and death is real. And he knows that we have to face it as it is, not as we would like it to be. You know, I recently was speaking with this uh, Cuban pastor we have this meeting here in our church recently, like two or three weeks ago. ago. And, you know, before we started the meeting, we were, we were talking about everything going on in Latin America, in America, you know. And then I was tempted to ask him, you know, because I'm in the same situation somehow, you know. The Cuban Revolution is about to, I mean, it's already celebrating 60 years, if you can say that, if you can call that celebration, but whatever, right? Uh, and... I was asking him, you know, after 60 years, do you still have a hope that Cuba will be free? Remember, I have my, I have my own understanding of freedom, so don't, don't worry about my understanding. Okay? So he looked at me. He's a very kind retired minister. Uh, he said, you know, Alfredo, I don't think in those terms. Now he got my attention. He doesn't think in those terms. I said, well, tell me, in my mind, tell me, what do you think? He said, I want to know, and I pray to God, what is it that I can do to make that situation better? And then I will do it, but I can't change that myself. So what I do, whatever I can, I want to make my own contribution. So I'm not going to be able to change the whole Cuba situation, but I will be able to make my contribution so to change what is possible. You know, imagine if every single people would think that way, let's make our own small contribution and see what happens. Because sometimes, actually, we can't change things. I have been expecting for Venezuela to change for almost 20 years. It doesn't look like it's going to happen something soon. But let's make our contribution. Let's do whatever we can, right? And Jesus here is hinted, hinting that, yeah, something is going to happen, but death is real. So, and then Jesus proclaimed it to Martha. What Jesus said to her was, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will you see, you notice there is a future, future tense there? Even though they, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So he, first of all, he hinted it to his disciples, then he proclaimed it to Martha. And now we come to the next level. 
Jesus. Now, look, I want you to pay attention to all these words. Jesus, once more, what he was kind of, oh, okay, I'm, I, I'm in charge, you know? I'm going to take care of business. Nothing is going to happen, right? Was he like that? Deeply moved. Some commentators said that he was really mad. Which frustrated him that death was taking, you know, time. I mean, was taking over one human life. Deeply moved by the sorrow that was around him, but also by the frustration that death brings. Because it does. It does. Came to the tomb, and it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And he said, now can you explain me, somebody who knows what's going to happen, how he can be so deeply moved? He was a real human, right? And I want you and I to remind us all all, that we have to be real humans. We cannot deny our pain. I doubt, I suffering. Even though if we believe that we have the solution, we have to be real humans. He said, wait. And they said, again, logic, right? But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead, man, by this time there is what? Now, will, will, you, will you dare to open a tomb? Will you? Most likely no, right? But here's the thing. They are right in that crossroad. Do I believe my, my nose or do I believe my heart? What should I do? Smell bad. But Jesus is saying, it might, but move it. Friends, I know that our feelings are real. And if we don't deny them, we will feel the, even the odor of that thing. So how hard it is. And yet, there is hope. Now, resurrection could take sh- different shapes and forms for people. For some people... It could be like a failed business that maybe, maybe happened to one of you or any one of you. It might be brought back to life or maybe you have to start somewhere else. It might be a relationship that got in a very difficult place. It could be a son or a daughter that is going a direction that you don't want them to go. It could be anything And it can take different kind of shapes and forms in your life. And you can even say, this is not looking good. Like Martha. Then Jesus said, and that's where we started, remember? You can say it. The I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. You will see the glory of God. You don't have to see your own answer. You don't have to see your own hopes come through. You don't have to see what you really want. You will see the glory of God. Whatever that might be, it could be a strength that you never thought that you could have. You will have. 
It could be a friend, somebody who shows up and gave you or gives you the, the grace and the, 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 the comfort that you need to really go through this particular situation that you are going through. It really doesn't matter. But if you believe, you will see the glory of God, whatever that might be. You know, the point of the matter is we need to see God in action. How many of you want to see God in action? I can tell you are Presbyterians. <laughs> Amen. Yes, I want to see God in action. And then, this is a little bit longer, so read with me if you can. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. So, if you have been praying and asking God, maybe some of you for, for years, asking God, God, heal my heart. God, I can't deal with this thing that I've been dealing for years. Maybe you have been asking God to do something on your behalf for years and years and years, and nothing happens. I'm going to tell you, you have been heard. It says, Father, I thank you for what? You already heard me. The Lord has already heard you. And I always remember the story. I, that's one of the stories that really helps me when I'm in, waiting for something. And it doesn't seem that God is doing something. Or it doesn't seem that God is anywhere to be seen. Well, you can't see him anyways, but you know what I'm talking about, right? I remember the story of Jacob and Joseph. God knew that Joseph, Joseph was not dead. And, then, and Jacob thought that he was dead. He was dead for 13 years. And he was mourning jo Joseph for 13 years. And then, the, and then after 13 years, God comes through and gives him a dream and says, Joseph is alive. How do you understand that? God knew for 13 years, and yet he waited for 13 years until the time was right for him at least, and show up and said, your son is alive. He even will be there when you pass away. My friend, God knows those 13 years, or 14, or 12, or five, or 20. It doesn't matter how many years you have been going with this situation. Jesus is right next to the tomb. to say whatever he needs to say in order to take care of your life, my life, your family, my family. The pain is real, but also the resurrection is real. So, the last piece of this is, when he had said this, Jesus called him in what? You see, he was Pentecostal. He was no Presbyterian. <laughs> Loud voice! Okay, try. Try to be the Pentecostal right now. Louder. 
There you go. <laughs> the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with his strips of linen and clothed around his face. He was dead. And then Jesus said to, to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And I hope today, my brothers and my sisters, that you can take off your grave clothes and let it go. You got to let it go. The pain is real. The illness is real. The challenge is real. The loss is real. So is the love of God. It's real. So I invite you to symbolically take off the clothes. Not all the clothes, but those clothes. <laughs> of mourning. You have mourned enough. You have been there for a long time. It's about time to receive the embrace of resurrection. We have been talking about the surpassing Jesus, right? One thing about the theological foundation of the Presbyterian Church, which is amazing, part of that is amazing, uh, Ron, believe it or not, <laughs> uh, is that we believe in a sovereign God, a God who does whatever he wants, whenever he wants, but he always does what is right. So let him embrace him to let 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 him embrace you today and me. Because we do know what mourning is, we do know what pain is, we know, we do know even what tragic is. I know that firsthand. Our country, United States of America, my country, your country too, if you want, is suffering a lot of pain. Our world is mourning in many places. We need more agents of resurrection around, sharing that there is some hope that, 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 that our world, our country, our city, our community need to embrace. And that's the hope of Jesus Christ and Lord and Savior. Well, shall we pray? Lord, we know that sometimes you do things in ways that we don't understand, and our logic becomes lament. And our lament sometimes is depression and despair. And yet, you come to us and said, Do you know I tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Could you please help us to embrace resurrection, to embrace your love in the midst of our pain, our sorrow, our frustration, our fear, our anxiety, 
our loss, our mourning. Will you help us to embrace you today? Father, I don't know who's watching us from Facebook today. I don't know if somebody around in, in this room today needs that embrace. But we pray, I pray, that you will embrace us all. Help us to move forward. Help us to move forward. Help us to get to a place of healing. We embrace you today, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. We pray with gratitude. In your holy name. And all God's people say,